Shalom, everybody, and welcome to the Ishai Fleischer Show, broadcasting live from Judea to the world. You're a part of it wherever you are. This week's show, not directly from guard duty, but rather back uh, here on uh, my couch, our couch uh, here in beautiful Judea, Israel, and I am reunited with the one and only Maka Fleischer. Yay. Shalom welcome and welcome. Back to the couch. Thank you very much, and I'm on a, a little break from uh, the army. Actually, going to go back in a few hours. Uh, and uh, got got a chance to come home, sleep a little bit, relax, uh, and eat a little bit of maki food. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Because food in the army is weird, uh, and I haven't been they eating. They do a too pretty much. good job here, though, right? Um, like it's not like cans can of beans. Like they make you food. Last night they sent uh, those tin foil things, and it had uh, um, uh, hamgashit, and and I uh, it was like of. Of uh, shawarma type meat, mm-hmm. I, I didn't. I didn't have anything. Well, you were having a tummy ache. I was having a tummy There's ache. There's a lot of sicknesses going around right now. Yeah, 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 yeah. And our and our I think and it's our, a few things. One of our one of our uh, beloved uh, show producers, Yocheved. Yeah, got some serious COVID. It's so sad. So we gotta uh, pray for refuash lema. I think that people are so emotional yeah. these days, and so like you know, dealing with this situation that their little immune systems are not doing very well. It could be that. It could be that. Uh, there was the son of Rav, of Rav Madan uh, from, from the Gush here who lost both of his legs in an explosion uh, that wow. that killed a few of his buddies as well in Gaza. Wow. And he just got out. Wow, and he's smiling, that. beaming, beaming, smiling wow, face. Wow, wow. You could see his legs are cut off above right. the knee. And he's just beaming with, with like light and joy. I was, I was, I had to like, I had to look away. It was like really? so, it was so strong, his, 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 his joy at having survived. And like, you could see the whole hospital staff was around. Right. Him. They all came out to like wave him, wave him. Right. Goodbye. And he's going to be back there, you know, and they said. He's going to have oodles and oodles of physical therapy. And, yeah. 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 And uh, wow. But uh, there's, you know, there's, there's a lot of heroism. There's a lot of strength. There's a lot of troops that are now battle ready. Much right. more, I think, in, in general, Israel is much more battle ready in general, from the air force down to the grunts, uh, to the tanks, including and the, the civilians. Artillery. I would say definitely, definitely, we're definitely bat- much more battle hardened than we've been in three months ago. Thousands of people have gotten gun licenses. Yeah, that's right. That's right. And uh, and just we're more we're more aggressive, uh, and you could just feel it. Um, interesting. Right now, I just I just got an article just a few minutes ago uh, that Israel is in negotiation. With the Congo and with other uh, uh, countries, to here, here's here's the article: Israel in talks with Congo mm-hmm. and other countries on Gaza v- so-called voluntary migration plan. Senior officials says Jerusalem working on post-war resettlement of Palestinians, uh, and uh, that that's Israeli Arabs, uh, Arabs living in Israel, more correctly from the Strip. The reason I, I make this caveat is because. Uh, my good friend Ari Abramowitz called me, and he was giving me a hard time yeah. for using the term Palestinians so flippantly, as though I was justifying the uh, the very idea that there's a, some kind of peoplehood here. Mm-hmm. So I said to him, I said to him, "Well, I'm not trying to say that. I'm saying that the word Palestinians to me is like a team. It's like a team, like 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 followers, like the 49ers. right? They're like followers of in Israel. Like when you're a follower of the Beitar team, you're a Beitari, you know." Uh, but he said that that's not important because because it, it it throws people off. People start to believe that there is really this peoplehood right. called the Palestinians, and and there really isn't. But there is a group today that identifies as such that is important. Right. Uh, but in any case, uh, so uh, senior officials says Jerusalem working on post-war resettlement of Arabs living in Israel. 
in, in Gaza mm-hmm. from the Strip. Some ministers tout Saudi Arabia as, as destination for Gazans seeking construction work. So uh, there's definitely a realization. So there is some movement in the ether of thinking in Israel uh, that is starting to think about uh, the twin. There's actually three realities that are tied into one another. One, Gazans leaving and helping them leave, including creating student visas and other ways for them to emigrate out. Mm -hmm. So we call that voluntary emigration. And then there's the question of, um, uh, there's the question of workforce, if we're dealing not just with Gazan Arabs, but with Judean Samaria Arabs, we have to create an alternative workforce because they are a powerful workforce here in Israel. I'm especially, I'm especially tired of Arab bus drivers, I'll be honest, because some of them are just on the wrong side of the issues. They're from like East Jerusalem and stuff, and they're pro-Hamas, and they're driving our, our kids' buses, you know, the, the, the public buses. That really drives me crazy. So the, so the second issue is replacement work for Arabs here in Israel in order to also create voluntary immigration. Some because, people could say that you sound pretty racist right now, Ishai. Yeah. Well, I'm not trying to sound racist. I'm talking about people who are, and I said this, I said this, people who are, we know that 75% of Judean Samaria Arabs are pro-October 7th. Right, we and know, that if Hamas were, if they were to have elections tomorrow in the Palestinian Authority, that Hamas would be elected by a landslide. And same for East Jerusalem Arabs who are Israeli Arabs. Right. Unfortunately, it was not the case that a bunch of uh, community leaders came either publicly or privately to uh, leaders of the Jewish community and said, listen, we don't want any part of this. We're embarrassed right. by it or, or, you know, this is not the way forward. Nothing like that. Right. And you so know, there are individuals. Of course, there are individuals. Uh, but as a whole, the communities are not doing that. Right. And, you know, I'm going to play a little segment from Brigitte Gabrielle in a few minutes mm-hmm. uh, just about that, how she talks about how a very small percentage of the Arab world is jihadist, uh, the Muslim world is jihadist. But that's like hundreds of millions of people. Right. Anyway, so uh, and, 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 and a lot of them are here in, in our, our area right here. So, so and then there's a third issue, which is the reset, the Jewish resettlement of Gaza. That's like a third issue. It's, it's, they're, they're, it's really a triad. Wait, so what are the three issues? Voluntary emigration. Yes. Replacement of the workforce. And uh, returning to Gaza as, as, as a right. Jewish taking, presence. Taking responsibility for that area. Well, that, the way you said that now could mean different things. And that's a, that was, you said it good. But it could mean either military presence there or a more robust, which is beginning of a Jewish presence there, I mean a community presence there. So th- this, that's actually that, that's why all these three are three different things. One is, how are we helping them leave? Well, uh, I mean, t- talking about helping them leave, Ishai, is like its own massive, massive topic. Exactly. You know, a lot of people, they would hear you t- hear, talk about having them leave, and they would just be like, oh my God, you're like ethnically cleansing people. This was your whole plan from the very, very beginning, was to ethnically cleanse populations out of here um we have to we have to we have to ideologically cleanse we have to get rid of jihadism it's not an ethnic cleansing it just happens to be that an ethnicity is afflicted with this way of thinking uh jihadism just like nazism afflicted germans right okay uh so yeah you have a you have a war with germany 
Um, but you're trying to root out Nazism. Is right. Thing. And I want to add that right now the conversation is about, this is something that I find fascinating. The conversation about, what'd you call it? Voluntary. What's the second word? Resettlement. R- voluntary resettlement. Voluntary resettlement. Mm-hmm. Or, or becoming a refugee. Mm-hmm. Leaving. Right? Leaving Gaza. I have this conversation with people a lot on Twitter. That's my preferred social media platform. And so people will talk about like the horrible conditions in Gaza. And so then a person like me will say, why is it that Egypt has not opened the border and allowed people to come in as refugees to to save them from this circumstance? Obviously, you know, all of us see the pictures from the war, right? Like nobody thinks that it's like beautiful. No one like cannot get their eyes filled enough with the horrible tragedies of war. Everyone looks at it and says, this is terrible. This is a terrible situation. And, and I, I'll, tell, I'll talk for myself now. Like I see pictures of people in the hospital and I feel sad. I'm like, this is sad. I don't, I'm not like, I'm not like, yeah, get them. I mean, I think that we have to destroy terrorism and we have to be ruthless about it. But like, I'm not pleased by pictures of, of hurt people. Right. So I think to myself, like, why isn't someone doing something for these people? Now, the people who should be doing something for these people is not us, right? We are the people who are at war right now. We are the people who are trying to root out forever the threat against the Jewish people here in this area. Right. Root it out forever. But there are people around the world who really ostensibly or at least verbally support the Gazans. They say this, is, you know, they, they, they advocate for them. So then you go, okay, like, I, I believe you. You know what I mean? You, you care about Gazans. So what are you going to do? Like, how can you help these people? What they need right now the most, if you look at the pyramid of a person's needs, the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, what they need right now is security. They need to get out of a war zone. So get them out of a war zone. I don't understand. Like, why can't you get them out? So then you'll talk about it on, on social media. You'll go, why isn't Egypt opening the border? Or why, you know, you live in Ireland. Like, why aren't you calling your representative and screaming and demanding emergency uh, asylum visas for these people? Why aren't you uh, insisting that the United Nations send planes, send, send boats, whatever it is that they got to do to, like, start putting women, children, elderly, or whoever wants to get out of this place, put them on the travel mechanisms and get them out? And so, I'm not talking about ripping people screaming and crying out of their home that they're trying to hold on to with their claws. I'm talking about people who are like, I don't want to be here. Get me out of here. Please put me on a plane and take me away. I want to go now. So why aren't the people who want help getting help? Well, uh, the United States, here's Matthew Miller. Miller, okay? Yeah. He's uh, the Secretary of State Department spokesman. He writes... The United States rejects the inflammatory and irresponsible statements from Israeli ministers Smotrich and Benkvir. There should be no mass displacement of Palestinians from Gaza. What, what, what's the, what's the uh, context of that? The context is what we talked about, which is... What, the, the, what did they say? They said voluntary resettlement. They said people who want to leave should right. be helped to do so. Right. People so, who want to leave should be helped to do right. so. That's right. And the rest of the world looks at that and goes, and the, uh, this is what's shocking. The rest of the world looks at that and goes, no, they shouldn't. Right. These people should not be helped. Don't help them. Well, well, no, no, no. Come, let's let's be fair. What they're saying is they want to see, they they want to see, they, they want to see a resettlement of the Jews. They want to see no Jews 
and yes, Palestine. That's what they want. So like to them, this is the backwards thing. I wrote, I wrote to Matthew Miller, I wrote, the displacement has already happened. Hamas's war has caused it. It's a fact. It is, right. it, there's already a displacement. Right, there's displaced people, correct. Now the big issue is creating a program of voluntary resettlement for suffering Gaza Arabs. That's what I wrote. Uh, and I think that's right. Anyway, those those are the three the three issues about how to deal with this population. One is voluntary resettlement. Two, an alternative workforce for Israel. And three, how do we govern Gaza uh, one level or another? I am a maximalist in terms of I believe that Israel should be living in Gaza and we should return to our ancestral connection to Gaza. But there's different voices there in Israel, which they say, some people say, no, just just a military control of the area. I think I saw that uh, Professor Eugene Kantorovich uh, put out some article in the Wall Street Journal. I think yeah. he talks about that, his latest article. And I didn't get to read it yet, but I saw the headline and it was it was saying that basically... Jewish settlement in Gaza would be the litmus test for determining if terrorist ideology had been removed from that place. If Jews can safely live here, then we know we have succeeded in destroying Hamas, basically. Right. Also, also like, you're talking about America's concern or the, the, the administration is concerned with displacement of people. Hamas has managed to displace Jews. We ethnically cleanse Jews from Gaza, and now they've managed to ethnically cleanse Jews from the around the Strip, and so that's what they're doing. It's it's basically like they're ethnically cleansing us, right? And and let's lest we forget on October sixth at five a.m. the biggest uh, topic at hand in Israel was judicial reform, right? And by seven a.m. it was. Gaza. October 7th. On October 7th, right. right. That's right. It was like we uh, we were put in this position. Wow. You know, you know, Malka, you and I were just discussing policy just now. Um, but like how how amazing has been the change in the last three months? It's just it's just really I can't believe it's been three months. Yeah, it's been three months. I saw Carolyn Glick put this um, she put up a, a meme on on Twitter. She was like, How can it be I was very surprised to see that it was January first, when for me, like, we're for in in Israel, it's it's October eighty fifth. Right. It really feels like it's crazy how much time has passed. Yeah. Yeah. And we don't hear a lot more about about the about the uh, abductees. We don't hear much about them right now. Um, Israel, no, according to foreign media. Israel struck uh, a the number two of Hamas. His name is Aruri. Now, what what people don't know is the word Arur means accursed. It's like a really bad word for accursed. So Aruri is like the accursed one. Like 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 after the after we read the Megillat Esther, yeah, we say like Baruch Mordechai Hayudi. And then we we say I can't Bless remember the last word. Arura Zeresh, right? The wife of Haman is like accursed. Arura right? is like is like is like really it's a, it's accursed. It's 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 a, it's a tough word, and that's what this guy's name. He's like he's like a curse. Aruri. He's like the 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 uh, manifestation of the curse, and he was shot. Uh, now they're saying by a missile coming from a drone, uh, in the. Hezbollah neighborhood of Beirut, 
which is uh, which is very close to home to Hezbollah, and uh, foreign media is attributing it to Israel. Israel is not not taking, denying it, not denying it, but but also not taking credit for it. And um, this was a big signal. You know, Israel promised that they would do a, a manhunt uh, like they did after the Munich massacre, uh, that they would hunt down the perpetrators of, of this thing. And uh, th- this guy, Aruri, was also the uh, planner of the kidnapping of the three boys that led to uh, that Gaza war. Right. Well, this guy's got tons. He's Mamasha got war, at least at, they've at least thirty death, Jewish deaths well, on his hands. At least, at least, not to mention this whole war in which. Uh, By the way, their best people, Hamas's best people, like Aruri and Sinwar, mm-hmm. are fluent Hebrew readers and and very much follow Israeli media and Israeli politics, and identify moments of weakness. And they and all the na- analysis that I heard this morning, they're like saying like. These guys, they understood Israel, uh, and and they and they followed its right. Media. We were at a moment of weakness, right? And and but and, they didn't know. And they struck, yeah. That that's not a, like that. It was our moment of weakness inside, not outside. Meaning to say, like if you if you look at Israel today, it, again, if you would take a, a snapshot of Israel on October seventh at five a.m., Israel was a divided country. At seven a.m., it was uh, as, almost as strong as it's ever been. Well, you know, Malka, I, I I think that you're partially right. I think that there's also some exaggeration there. I think that the uh, I, I I I'm optimistic, but I I also want to keep it like realistic, which is like, um, there's still people who don't get it. There's still people who don't get it, and uh, and 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 I I think that our our military establishment has not totally understood how to how to uh, have zero tolerance for jihadism in our land, uh, and I I still see a lot of bad policy that uh, that that is keeping us uh, weak. Um, in order to understand a little bit about what the Muslim world is is really like, uh, here's a clip from uh, Brigitte Gabrielle, uh, who is a great intellectual. Uh, she's a Christian Lebanese, I think. Uh, is that right? She's a Christian Lebanese uh, that has intimate understanding of of Lebanon and and this and this and the Islamic jihadist world. And uh, she had a few very important words to say at a recent conference. There are 1.2 billion Muslims in the world today. Of course, not all of them are radicals. The majority of them are peaceful people. The radicals are estimated to be between 15 to 25 percent according to all intelligence services around the world. That leaves 75% of them peaceful people. But when you look at 15 to 25% of the world Muslim population, you're looking at 180 million to 300 million people dedicated to the destruction of Western civilization. That is as big of the United States. So why should we worry about the radicals 15 to 25%? Because it is the radicals that kill. Because it is the radicals that behead and massacre. When you look throughout history, when you look at all the lessons of history, most Germans were peaceful. Yet the Nazis drove the agenda. And as a result, 60 million people died. Almost 14 million in concentration camps. 6 million were Jews. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. 
When you look at Russia, most Russians were peaceful as well. Yet the Russians were able to kill 20 million people. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. When you look at China, for example, most Chinese were peaceful as well. Yet the Chinese were able to kill 70 million people. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. On September 11th in the United States, we had 2.3 million Arab Muslims living in the United States. It took 19 hijackers, 19 radicals to bring America down to its knees, destroy the World Trade Center, attack the Pentagon, at, and kill almost 3,000 Americans that day. The peaceful majority were irrelevant. So for all our powers of reasons and us talking about moderate and peaceful Muslims, I'm glad you're here. But where are the others speaking out? And since you are the only Muslim representative... Muslim representative in here, you took the limelight instead of speaking about why our government, and I assume are you an American? You're an American citizen. So as an American citizen, you sat in this room and instead of standing up and saying a question or asking something about our four Americans that died and what our government is doing to correct the problem, you stood there to make a point about peaceful, moderate Muslims. I wish you brought 10 with you to question about what, how we can hold our government responsible. It is time we take political correctness and throw it in the garbage where it belongs and stop calling it. That's the reality of, of the jihadist world uh, around us. You know, Malka, um, we're also beginning a new Torah portion. Excuse me, we're beginning a new Torah book, the yeah. book of Exodus. I have to say that putting away the book of Bereshit was a very emotional for me this year and like hard for me. I like I closed the book and I like I like hugged my little book in shul and like held it to myself for like five minutes. There was something about going through the stories and it seemed like every week the Torah portion has been so intertwined with our actual current reality that it was like impossible to ignore saying goodbye to like the forefathers and putting them aside and going through the like really kvetchy muddy arduous long controversy of the jewish story from enslavement to to the land of israel it felt like honestly it felt like i was a little nervous to get into the long schlag Oh, I see. Uh, like, of, of the book of Shemot. Right, of the book of Shemot. The of book of Exodus. It, like, it gets dark and it gets hard and the Jewish people are kind of lose, uh, well, it lose, get, lose it a little bit. It gets dark already from, from when they start from the sale of, of Joseph and then the Torah kind of goes through a long period until, until Exodus, until, 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 the receive, until the splitting of the Red Sea and the receiving of Torah Sinai. And then later, then we have the, the book of Vayikra is like a break, right? The book of Vayikra, the, the book of Leviticus is like a book of like, okay, it's laws because now it's the time to learn Torah. God's giving you right. the Torah at Sinai. Get prepared. And, then, and then you're about to enter the land in the book of, uh, in the book of Numbers, the book of Bamidbar, and then rejection, right? you know, and then a preparation with a new generation. And then the book of, 
Dvarim is like all Jewish philosophy and, and laws, and, and and kind of like it, it kind of like it only is left to you is like about to happen. You know, right. my my good friend Zev has has such a great teaching. He says, you know, if you know Moses is coming to the edge of the land of Israel and he doesn't get to go in, like what's that all about? That's like that's that's like you you, and God says God, Zev says that God would say to to Moses. Look where you started your job. The Jews were enslaved. You were you were outside of the whole thing, and then and then look where you ended up on the edge of the land of Israel with the Torah, with the freed people. You did a lot, but you can't do it all. It's it's all the next generation right. has to do it. He's like the same thing for King David. It's like look where you started. The Jewish people were 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 were, were you know not a united tribal people. They didn't have a capital in Jerusalem, and here you come. You become a king. You establish the Davidic monarchy. You you bring the people together, okay. You you build up Jerusalem and okay, but you're not going to get to build the temple. That's leave that for the next generation. Right. You don't get to do you don't get to do everything. Right. You but it is kind anything. of a relief that we're going to now be meeting Moshe, and to like he's uh he's the one who's ready to go through thick and thin with us, no matter what we look like, no matter what we act like. Right. And uh, he's ready to to come and and help us uh, get all the way to the promised land. You know what else is in this week's Torah portion? Um, let's just talk about Moses for another second. There is the signs that God gives him, and I have a whole explanation about the signs that that God gives Moses. But just one of the signs is that He says, "Take this cup of water and spill it on the ground; that becomes blood." What What is that sign all about? What does that mean? Well, it means that the you know the Nile is going to turn to blood. What is? Why is does the Nile turn to blood? What What What's what does that sign mean? I actually have an explanation for that sign, which I think, which I think is, uh, which I think makes sense. Which is that the Nile is where they threw the Jewish babies, right? And yet the water like cleansed it. You know, the 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 the, right, well, took them the away. Crocs ate the babies, right, and, and the, and the water yeah, disappeared. So therefore, the water was clear, and it was okay. And so you'd think that like the water kind of erased the the murder and the death and god's like no right i'm going to pour it out we'll see it all we'll see it all like it, nothing hides from me and that that evil is not going to hide from me and i think i think that's important about now as well which is like gaza has turned to evil right but it, has, be- it's Hamas. Hamas. it has become an evil it has become an evil right and god is now saying it's time to purge right. Rip that it out evil. of the ground. Right. It's time to purge and cleanse that land and, 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 and root out those tunnels and root out the people that are, that are for that. And it's time to cleanse the land uh, from that evil. It has become an evil. Think of it in biblical terms. Like a piece of land has become entrenched and just totally filled up with, with evil above the ground, in the air, on the ground, and below the ground. By yeah. the way, Isha, I just want to say regarding below the ground... There have been reports recently of these same tunnels now in Judea and Samaria. Have you seen these reports? I have. Uh, some of them are accurate and some of them are a little hyped up. But, but the bottom line is, look, it's, they've learned that it's a, it's a good technology. I, don't wanna, I, I even have some more information about where it's real and where it's not real. But like the, the real truth is, is that the enemy has identified that tunnel making is a great way to pass the time and you're going to get funding for it and then you're going to pop up Right in the midst of the of, of of Israel, and you're gonna 
you know, attack and kill Jews. So they're they're doing that. They're doing that where they can. Uh, and and we have to we have to we have to stop it. We have to we have to, and not just stop the tunnels. You got to stop not the tunnels. You got to stop it at the level of the eight year old child who's getting taught jihadism. Right. It's got to start there. My understanding is that's that where the, the tunnel begins. Authority and Gaza use the same textbooks for children. Absolutely. And today the 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 Palestinian Authority is beginning payment for uh, uh, October. Seventh terrorists. No way. Yes. Yes. Those captured by Israel. Still? They're, they're, they, it's today. It's Gosh, like, we can't even stop that. It's like Jan 3rd or something. And it's like payday. Gavalt. You know, 2024. They, you know, the, the, you know, mama needs a check. So, you know, they're getting paid 2,000 shekel each uh, month. And, okay, but it's, it, but, for, but it's still disgusting. It's a lot of money for for it's them. A lot of money for, and for they their, don't have taxes, right? That's right. And so and 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 uh, and more if you actually murdered and all kinds of stuff like that, you get bonuses. Wow. And so that begins today. So that's that's pretty sick. Um, the other thing I wanted to talk about this Torah portion is um, the the holiday that you and I will establish one day, which is uh, this is this is Jewish Birth Week. Yes. I love that idea. This is Jewish mama's birth. This is, this is what Shana, it's about. I'm going to put it in my calendar now for like a year from now, but like three months ahead. And we're going to, we're going to start working on right, this Right, because holiday. this is the this national is, holiday. That's Not right. like a, you don't like say Hallel or anything. No, it's, it's, it's like a, a national holiday. National recognition. It's to celebrate Jewish birth, Jewish midwives, the whole thing. Right. Fertility. Jewish, fertility. Uh, system. Right. The whole thing. The raising of the kids, the whole thing. Like we got to have a week to celebrate the, the Jewish, Jewish mother, Jewish the Jewish, mother the, the Jewish, Jewish birthing, the nice. Jewish midwife. People will love it. The, the, we want to celebrate the 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 hospitals that do a great job at it. We want to celebrate great midwives. We want to celebrate great doulas. We want to celebrate, you know, technology. We want to celebrate uh, uh, the companies that make the good stuff for it. All the stuff, and of course, the Jewish mother herself. Uh, so, so that's this week's Torah portion. I really, I really think that that would take here. I really think that would take, and I think that they're just a week of recognition for for that because this is a national mission. You know, people talk about Aliyah, Aliyah, Aliyah. At best case scenario, is like forty thousand people a year. Great, amazing, but birth is like one hundred and fifty thousand people a year. Right, a, that's how a, the Jews it, are coming into the land of Israel right, these days. Right, it, it's coming in. In the in the in the birth in the in the maternity wards, that's where it's happening. So I think I think it needs celebration. I think we have a Torah portion that celebrates it because there's specific verses about the Jewish women giving birth and about these midwives, Shifra and Pua, who according to the midrash were Jewish. According to other understandings, they were the non-Jewish. They were the non-Jewish Egyptian midwives who would not take part in the infanticide, uh, and so that's that's pretty cool as well. Uh, Malka, our own intrepid Ben Bresky, uh, is very excited about something that our son Elazar is excited about. Yeah, what's that? Which is tzitzis tying. Ah. It's become like a thing where people tie tzitzit for soldiers, and soldiers put it on uh, and uh, get closer to to Hashem's protection uh, and use this, this war as there's no atheists in a foxhole, and so that's why foxholes are sometimes good. Because it brings you out of atheism and into uh, and into faith, and so our son Elazar has been tying tzitzit. But since his youth, and here I have to mention my good friend, uh, my good friend Mayor Eisenman, 
uh, who's a great tour guide, one of the best, especially for the ultra-Orthodox set. And what my good friend Mayor Eisman taught me is that from a young age, whenever kids start putting on tzitzit, give them tchelet, which is the blue string. And, even though it's um, going to get ripped and wrecked. That's right. And even though it's quite a bit more expensive and harder to get, uh, but you can find a tchelet at T-E-K-H-E-L-E-T.com, tchelet.com. Uh, and so Elazar, Elazar went to Dr. Baruch Sturman, who is who is one of the founders of the Tchelet. Uh, well, I just want to I wanted to just give a tiny tweak to what you say. Go ahead now. He didn't go to him. Go ahead. Now. This incredibly busy, revolutionary person got a phone call from our son, a voicemail saying that he's interested in tzitzit, and my and our son decides he wants to make money by tying tzitzit. So can he get a job, right? He's 12. He wants a job tying tzitzit. So this incredibly busy, respected person was like, you and a friend come to my house and we'll talk. For like two hours, he took our son and his friend and taught them all about tchelet, taught them new two additional ways to tie. There's multiple ways to tie that tzitzit, many, many ways. Um, he taught them two additional ways, gave them um, seats, gave them like uh, fringes to practice on. Yeah. It was really like, yeah. I was so moved. I guess, I guess it was a fringe meeting. Yeah. It was a fringe, fringe group. group. Yeah, fringe group. I uh, was so impressed and, and uh, with such a person that he would take time out for two young men, two little, little guys, and give them, give them of his time and, and invest in their enthusiasm. That's right. And, and so uh, our son Elazar, who just walked in the door as well, uh, so he's now practiced not only tzitzit tying, but also in tchelet tying. Right. And our own Ben Bresky, intrepid reporter uh, at large, is at larging out there, and he's got the story, I'm very excited about this, the story of tchelet. Ben Bresky, take it away. This is a moment in Jewish history. Tzitzit are the four tassels worn on a tarit as described in the Torah. Numbers chapter 15 states, You shall make for yourselves tzitzit upon the corners of your clothes for generations, and on the tzitzit give a string of blue, and you will see them and remember all the commandments of God. I decided to talk about the history and significance of tzitzit because this week I spent an evening tying tzitzit for soldiers as part of a special project. Kihilat Eretz Hemda, based in Jerusalem, has been donating supplies to Israel Defense Force soldiers. They also responded to a call for increased demand for tzitzit. A talit katan is traditionally worn all day on an undershirt-like garment with four corners. Due to the unprecedented request for tzitzit, I sat amid boxes of green Army Regulation Talit Katan shirts as volunteers tied strings in the traditional manner, the number of strings and knots corresponding to the 613 commandments in the Torah. The following is the story from the Yom Kippur War of 1973, when an IDF tank was hit by Egyptian forces. The group of about 40 soldiers hid, avoiding enemy fire. The following is an excerpt from the soldier. We were in the middle of the marshes. 
We heard tanks approaching. They were our tanks, but how could we identify ourselves before they opened fire on us? One of our guys had an idea. He took out his talit and ran toward the tanks, waving it. They did not open fire. They recognized the talit. This is what saved us from certain death. Theodore Herzl, the founder of the World Zionist Organization and visionary of the modern state of Israel, needed a flag for the future country he and his fellow Zionists envisioned. The following is from his colleague David Wolfson on the connection between the Israeli flag and the Talit. At the behest of our leader Herzl, I came to Basel to make preparations for the Zionist Congress. Among many other problems that occupied me then was one that contained something of the essence of the Jewish problem. What flag would we hang in the Congress Hall? Then an idea struck me. We have a flag, and it is blue and white. The talit, prayer shawl, with which we wrap ourselves when we pray. That is our symbol. Let us take this talit from its bag and unroll it before the eyes of Israel and the eyes of all nations. So I ordered a blue and white flag with a shield of David painted upon it. That is how the national flag that flew over Congress Hall came into being, and no one expressed any surprise or asked whence or how it came. Most seat seat strings are all white, but in modern times, the fringe of blue, techalet, as described in biblical days, has returned. Today, one can obtain two kinds, the petiot techalet and the rishiner techalet. The way it came to be rediscovered is a fascinating story. According to the Talmud, the color Techeret comes from a sea creature called the Higazon. The ancient Israelites were experts in coloring and dyeing cloth and had a special technique for this royal biblical blue. But after wars and persecutions, this was lost. In the late 19th century, the Hasidic Rebbe Rabbi Gershon Hanoch Leiner of Regine, in what is today Poland, believed that the Higazon was a type of squid known as the cuttlefish. This belief was shared by Yehuda Levison in his 19th century book, Talmudic Zoology. The Regina Rebbe traveled to Italy multiple times where he visited the aquarium in Naples, the largest in the world at the time. He concluded that the sepia, inky secretion of the cuttlefish was techelet. While the ink is normally a dark brownish black, there is a process in which it turns blue. The Regina Rebbe authored three large volumes to support his thesis, stating that he had rediscovered the long-lost Techegat and set up a factory where the dye was produced. Within two years, thousands of Regina Hasidim and Brezlov Hasidim started wearing tzitzit with a fringe of blue. However, most of the Jewish world preferred to stick to the all-white kind. In 1913, Rabbi Isaac Herzog, later the chief rabbi of Ireland and chief rabbi of the state of Israel, wrote a doctoral dissertation on the study of Techeret. He requested from the Regina Hasidim information on their method and concluded that the Higazon was in fact the Mirak snail and not the cuttlefish. Nevertheless, Rabbi Herzog was responsible for saving their method after the Holocaust. But before we get into the story of Rabbi Herzog, a little about the Regina Hasidim, who still exists today. The Regina Rebbe of the 1930s and 40s was Rabbi Shmuel Shlomo Leiner, who was the grandson of the Regina Rebbe who reinstituted the wearing of Techeret. 
Two weeks before the outbreak of World War II, he closed his yeshiva and sent all his students home. The yeshiva was then used as a shelter for refugees. He tried to organize anti-Nazi teams and encouraged his fellow Jews to join the partisans, flee to the forests, and fight the Nazis. His students sent him money to emigrate, but he used the money to help bury Jews who he saw murdered and thrown from the trains, taking them to the concentration camps. Rabbi Leiner was murdered by the Nazis in 1942. His brother-in-law, Rabbi Avraham Yisachar Englard, became the new Rishina Rebbe. He too fled to the forests, where he and his fellow Hasidim joined the partisans and fought the Nazis. He eventually moved to Israel, where he re-established the Rishina Hasidic movement and once again began producing blue techalad strings for tzitzit. This process may have been lost if not for the letters the Rishina Hasidim had sent to Rabbi Herzog, while Rabbi Herzog did not believe they had the authentic Tehillet, nevertheless he gave them the writings, allowing them to continue their tradition. Rabbi Herzog had studied the work of the French biologist Henri de la Caze Dutier, who in 1858 discovered three mollusks in the Mediterranean that produced purple-blue dyes. As the story goes, during a scientific expedition, a fisherman told him that the dye of a snail could change color, and he smeared it on his shirt. Initially, it was yellow, but when exposed to the sunlight, it changed blue. Rabbi Herzog also believed that when the Talmud described what the Hirazon looked like, it was describing a snail, rather than a cuttlefish. Rabbi Isaac Herzog's son, Chaim Herzog, went on to become a major general in the Israel Defense Forces and later president. His son, Isaac Herzog, is today president of the State of Israel. In the 1960s, there was a renewed interest in Tehillet, due in part to the discovery of a dyed wool fleece from the Bar Kokhba rebellion period. By the 1980s, several scientists were on the trail of the Tehillet snail. Professor Otto Elsner of Shenkar College in Ramat Gan proved that when exposed to sunlight, the murak snail can be used to create a blue dye. He published his findings in The Dyeing of the Murex Extract, an unusual dyeing method of wool to biblical sky blue. Later, Rabbi Menachem Burstein published the works of Rabbi Isaac Herzog and concluded that the murak snail was the original Talmudic Hilazon. Rabbi Eliyahu Tavger researched the snails along the beaches of Israel. Rabbi Tavger is the son of Benzion Tavger, a Russian scientist who immigrated to Israel and became instrumental in uncovering Jewish ruins in the city of Hebron. He often joined his father on the risky excavations. By 1988, Rabbi Tavger became the first Jewish person to wear what he called Petiol Tehegat. He, along with Rabbi Burstein and others, created the Petio Tehegat Foundation, which is today headquartered in Kafar Adumim, and manufactures and distributes Tehegat strings around the world. Today, both kinds of Tehegat can be purchased in Jewish shops, online, and seen adorning Talit and Talit Katan. To close, I would like to share a story by the author Daniel Pinkwater, who, although secular, shows his appreciation for Jewish tradition in his short story, Talis. He describes his father, an immigrant from Poland, who used to attend a small Orthodox synagogue with other old Yiddish-speaking immigrant Jews like himself. 
He would often buy a loaf of ham after services, seeing no contradiction with eating non-kosher food and still going to synagogue every week. His grandson's bar mitzvah was being held at a large modern synagogue, and the rabbi, who prided himself on being contemporary, asked him not to wear a talit for services because this was old-fashioned, antiquated Judaism and would embarrass people, especially any non-Jewish guests. The grandfather was so offended by the rabbi that even though he wasn't particularly religious himself, he went out and bought the largest talis he could find, came early with his son Daniel to synagogue the next morning, and sat in the front row. The following is from Daniel Pinkwater's audiobook. When we say we subscribe to the faith of our fathers, we usually mean the father we knew. Also, there's a tendency for each generation to liberalize the belief. As the son of a ham-eating, iconoclastic, freestyle Jew, I was well on the way to becoming no Jew at all. What I was about to do was defy the obnoxious rabbi and support my father in a sentimental gesture. The talus had no particular meaning for me. And yet, when we gathered the fringes to our lips, kissing them as an expression of respect and love for God's commandments, when we stood and spread the ancient garments on our arms like birds drying their wings for a moment before enveloping ourselves in whiteness, it came to me strongly that this precise activity had been carried on by people, by my forebears, for thousands of years. This has been a moment in Jewish history. Thank you to Yishai Fleischer. Thank you to all the listeners. And Shalom. Okay, Ben, thank you so much. Awesome story of Tchelet. And there's a lot more to be told. It's an amazing story. You know, and that reminds me that our good friend, Josh Wander, is also now pushing a commandment that has been lost and is being re-brought out just like Tchelet, and that is the silver trumpets. And he's been trumpeting... Chatzotzrot. Chatzotzrot. He's been trumpeting his silver trumpets uh, everywhere. He's been going to big rabbis. He's get, he had these things produced, these silver trumpets, and, and he's going around saying that when a time, the Torah says in a time such as this, in a time of, of challenge, when you, when, you, when you need to call out to God, you blow these silver trumpets. And, it's, and he's been going around with, with, um, with these trumpets, going to major rabbis. He's got pictures with all the major rabbis, and he's, he's bringing that out. And so that's very exciting. If you want to hear more information about that, uh, maybe, maybe we'll try to get Josh on the show. Uh, Josh has also uh, uh, found Josh Wander, W-A-N-D-E-R. You can find him on social media as well. Uh, and, and this leads me to one more thing. I am fascinated by war. That's, not, not, yeah. not, by, not by the, uh, uh, you know, he, not by, I don't mean to say by the killing of one person to an, another. What I mean is, it's amazing to me how many ripples a war like this has. For example, the, our son tying tzitzit and learning tchelet is a ripple of this war. And so is these uh, silver trumpets. That's just one of the ripples that's happened. There's so many effects and ripples, economically, scientifically, culturally, socially, politically. There's just so many ripples that come out of a thing like this. I find that to be interesting. It's like fascinating. That's why I'm still fascinated by World War II because it's amazing to me the things that change during a, a war like this because life is like humdrum, you know, and bourgeois. 
and things don't like change so much. You keep doing your, you know, and and there's the, the great thing about regular life is actually the regularity of it. The the what do you call it? The consistency. Consistency. There's another word. The you know the the day to day actions that that you take, and suddenly comes war. And just regularity. Sh- uh, routine. Routine. And routine's great, you know, because routine is when you get things done. You day to day, you you knock on that hammer. You knock on that nail with that hammer, and you get it done. But the war comes, and wow, like things just change. Thoughts change, understandings change, things change, money flow change, science changes. Like things change. And I'm just I'm just always fascinated by how many ripples there are, and I've seen I've seen unbelievable ripples, and I've seen so many ripples in my own life uh, change. Uh, and and one of the ripples, by the way, is that I'm back in the army suddenly. Like, yeah. how did that happen? I thought I was out of the out of the game. I thought I was out of the game. And uh, yesterday I was uh, practicing uh, M16 shooting, and I'm like, I'm back. Still got it. Yeah, still got it. Yeah, I'm back. I'm, I'm 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 back, and 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 you know, and 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 still be still am an active defender uh, of the state of Israel and the people of Israel. And that's just one example. That's just that's, again, there's many more like ripples and things uh, that happen on this world. Social media changes, all kinds of changes. In any case, I'm sure that you out there are changed as well somehow by uh, all that's happened. I do want to thank the folks that make the show happen, our friends at jns.org and jewishpress.com, both websites that are doing so much better right now because of the war and a lot of additional readers to them. That's a change because of the war. Right. Um, Our good friends at prohibitionpickle.co.il. They have changes because they're making food for wives of people that are that, that have soldiers they're, they're, in the they're army. Helping people sponsor meals for the families of soldiers, right? Or sending food down or to soldiers, to refugees, and, right? All, all kinds of stuff like that. Okay, that's prohibitionpickle.co. Uh, .il. Uh, and then um, and then we of course have our friends at Hebron, uh, Hebron, the Jewish community of Hebron, which is one of the places where they found this potential tunnel that's trying to be not, not exactly in Hebron, but then the outskirts. In any case, that's hebronfund.org, a very important website uh, to keep uh, the Jewish community of Hebron strong and and a lot of support uh, to make sure that this town does not face uh, the Hamas uh, larger city that it's in, in, ensconced within, and we got to defend uh, the Jewish community of Hebron, keep it strong, uh, and also the Temple Mount. My mom's been twice on the Temple Mount in the last like week, and she told me that it's one of the places where she really finds a lot of peace. That's she goes nice. to the Temple Mount, so she's really lucky that she does that, uh, and that's uh, highonthehar.com, highonthehar.com, my friend MJ. She takes care of that. Um, and then we have our good friends at... Um, at Kosher Cycle Tours, and um, some people have have like lost tourism business, right? Uh, and like for, uh, in Chevron as well. But we hope to get it back stronger uh, after this war when there's going to be a yearning to. And people are still coming to Israel. Oh, it's yeah. not. This is not like you can a, barely get a flight out of El Al. El Al is packed. Right. People uh, are coming. Do you know who else is flying? Who Emirates, like the to Emirates? Israel, yeah, the the Emirates like Airlines out of Israel or to Israel? B- both. I'm saying like who's coming? Are the Emiratis coming here? No, they just there? They have flights there. People are going there. But the point is, if you want to get to Israel, you could you could also fly. You know, I, right, I take a t- take a couple of days shopping trip Dubai. Come yeah, on over. That's right, exactly. But El Al is, of course, I'm very proud to uh, to be an El an El Al uh, uh, customer. I'd love to also advertise El Al because uh, I'm El Al. That's true. I got to make some phone calls about that as well. Uh, so that's the good uh, the good folks at El Al. You know who else is a company that I'd love to advertise? Uh, Art Scroll. Uh, Art Scroll and Koran, these great book publishers that are putting out great books. 
I gotta call these guys. I just haven't had the time to to, to schmooze with them, but uh, I'd love to. I, I think that they're both doing great, great work. I love Jewish book publishing. Big fan. Um, okay, uh, who else? Who else did we forget? Of course, Retro Watch guy. That's right. Uh, you know, Bayami Mohammed Manazek. Great watches from the past alive with us today. Malka, it's really been great back to be at home, and it's great to be back with you. Um, you're a tower of power, Malka. Oh, and that's right. That sounds good. Yeah, you're a tower of power, and and uh, you you just you just uh, Jeremy Gimpel, our our friend, came up with a slogan idea, and you yeah, like instantly I made it on Canva. Yeah, you turned it into a thing. Which I'm not even a graphic designer. Yeah, I think you are. Uh, he 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 came up with this idea instead of Shalom Achshav, which means peace. Now he wrote he wants Shalom. Lenetzach. Forever. Peace Wait, forever. Peace forever. And you what you did, you took the graphic of Shalom Achshav, erased the now, and put and put Lenetzach. And uh, and it also has the word Lenetzach means forever, also means Lenetzach, to win. So I like that a lot. Uh, peace through winning. That's right. Peace through strength, as we say. Peace through strength. Uh, so you give me a lot of strength, Maka Fleischer. I want to thank you so much. And I want to thank all the folks that give us so much strength. And I want to thank the folks that support Manka through Buy Me a Coffee. There's been a lot of people who have been buying me a coffee, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai. For example, uh, Greg and Cindy uh, bought a lot of coffees, and they said some coffee to keep you awake on guard duty. Aww, Blessings to Israel. You. Stay strong. So that's, uh, that's uh, so Greg sweet. and Cindy. That's really nice, that's right? That's nice of you. Thank Neil, you so much. Neil wrote to me, uh, Shavua Tov Adon Fleischer Hello Mr. Uh, uh, good week to you Mr. Fleischer Todara Basur For your holy work Including your inspiring podcast That you recorded A couple days ago While on guard duty In a jeep In full battle gear I also thank you For being a wonderful Role model for me As I start my military career Wow May you and your family Live to 120 Amen And be blessed With all things You okay? too That's from Neil Alright Thank you Neil That's right uh, Who else uh, here Let's see. Somebody bought twenty coffees. Our, of course, our friend Krista, Krista. Is, is supporting us always You're through coffee. Doug, Doug, uh, Doug uh, bought coffees. Goes. Thank you for all you do. Thank you, okay. Doug. That's right, Isaac from Williamsburg. I hear coffee does not do well with you. <laughs> uh, this buy me a coffee will hopefully make up for it. We love you, Ishai. Oh, that's that's so Isaac from Williamsburg. Nice. Thank okay. you. Yeah, there's more from Krista. Uh, who else? Uh, boy, uh, let's see. You guys are the best. Here, Abraham Gals write, thank you for being a light to the Jewish people and the people of the nations who are seeking to love God and walk in his ways with love. I pray that this coffee will strengthen you and Malka and the Jewish community around you to connect, contribute, and experience the awe of Hashem until the righteousness of God flowing through you and back to you grows brighter and brighter than the noonday. Blessed are those who gather for the redemption of Israel through the King Messiah. Hallelujah. Yes. Okay. So that's that's a great that's that but by the way, you Avraham are clearly a good writer. <laughs> so keep writing. You are a good writer. I like that. That is a that is quite the message. Okay. Um so and my good friend Stephen Batkin, my, my he's my man. He's my man and he, he uh I think he's uh uh looking to 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 get property here in the land of Israel, which is something I always recommend to everybody, right? Buy a piece of land in the land of Israel. Buy, buy a piece of land in the land of Israel. That's buying a piece I, of land is not so easy. Buying a property is easy. That's what I meant. Buy a property in the land of Israel. Buy an apartment in the land of Israel. Uh, and remember all my other recommendations. This Friday night, Lechaim. Lechaim to the land of Israel on a wine from the land of Israel. Go out to the store. Go out to the supermarket or go to uh, kosherwines.com another people I want them to I want a sponsor on the show and then uh, and then um, you know just get yourself some uh, 
some awesome some awesome Israeli wine right. and I want to say peoples that the economic situation in Israel right now is a little bit challenged because so many people are out um, in Miluim and they're talking by the way Miluim is is reserve army service and they're talking about adding like a month or two of Miluim to men every year That's right right which means that like people have to leave their jobs for a month at a time and so what I'm saying to you is it's not necessarily that you have to pour charity into Israel but if you know of Israeli businesses or Israeli products that right. you can be buying. If it, if you don't mind, please take a little bit of extra effort and and spend your money that way, That's if right. it's possible for you, because this will make a difference for people. I saw some toy store uh, advertising itself that they were like the husband is in Gaza fighting, and the, they've made all these like care packages for families and all these things. They're trying to be like good guys. But the father is not there to like run the business. And they're worried that the business is going to collapse because because he's not around. Like, it, you know, and the family, the rest of the family is trying to run the business for him and all this stuff. And they're just like, you know, if you have a chance and you're buying a toy, like, could you please buy from our business? Because this will really help us to stay nice. afloat until he gets over. Nice. I, 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 our son... Just heard that, so I guess yeah, you're so going to have to go to buy, buy something. We'll and one, one more from uh, buymeacoffee.com forward slash Yishai uh, from Tirza or Teresa. Okay. She's got cool, both names. Cool, That's cool. cool. Tirza, Teresa. That's a good one. She writes, your podcast and your work for the Jewish people, the mamas and the papas of Hebron, and your dedication to your wife and family shine through. Boy, you Highlight of best. my listening is your show. Always well done with a variety, very nourishing and informative. Yay. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for Tirza. all that coffee, you guys. That's right. We are the best caffeine that I've had in a long time. We are spiritually caffeinated. Yeah. We are spiritually caffeinated. It makes, it makes a real difference, guys. Thank you. And it's just a great feeling. And all right, folks, that's it. Uh, Got to get back to uh, uh, the IDF. And I want to thank all of you out there. And I want to remind you to keep being strong. The enemy wants us to be down right now. The enemy wants us to be depressed right now. The enemy wants us to 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 be despondent, disappointed, and uh, but but they're wrong. We're moving forward. This thing is going to inch our way forward in ter- in terms of spiritual redemption. And this is the time to do personal chuva, but not from a place of depression, but from a place of God. We want to be closer to you as a nation, right. as as lovers of Israel. Uh, and we all have to use this opportunity, use those ripples to get closer to God, to get closer to Torah, to get closer to following His ways, to get closer to Israel. Make those what we call in Chabad hachlata. Right, make a decision. An internal like determination, internal decision that I'm taking a step forward. What are you going to do this Friday night to bring your kids right. towards a consciousness of Eretz Israel? Are you going to have that wine? Are you going to are you going to have that picture? Something. Bring an innovation into your house. If you don't have a flag, put up a flag. If you if you don't have a picture, do it for this Shabbat. Put put like a picture of the land of Israel. Take one step. I don't know. Make a make some falafel. I don't know. I buy a hummus at the store. Do something that will bring you right, one, one step, step closer. More. Just one and step. You know, to say it in a way that's been said a million times before. We are not going to let these people have died in vain if they had to go then it's going to be for something whether it's to get closer to your own neshama to your own soul whether it's to get closer to the jewish people whether it's to get closer to the land of israel whether it's to fix something in your life that needs fixing you are going to take that person who no longer has a chance to effectuate this world and you're going to say i'll do it for you i'm going to make a difference uh i just looked up just one step and i've got there's there's a famous like story in the in the Tanakh that has just one step. 
I'll talk about it a different time. But one of the just one steps is Alpine Skills Course for Everyone. What? International Mountain Guide, just one step. Alpine Skills Course for Everyone. Imagine prepared over the years to give you Alpine independence. You know what? I like that. We got to climb that mountain. You got to climb that mountain, okay? I got to climb those those Mount Alpines. Sinai's in the distance in the in the week's parshas. You bet, you bet it is. All right, folks, keep all those good energies in mind. God bless you. Write me an email, yishayishayflyasher.com. Stay connected, stay part of the story, and thank you to Yochevet Seidman. God bless you. Feel Refuash better. Ben Bresky, Tabitha, Lou. Moshe. Moshe, who makes it happen and gets it out to the world, gets our email out to the world. David. Puts our show up. Our good man David, who's who's is working the 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 Instagram and the uh, the uh, TikTok and the YouTube Shorts, he's he's working it. He is working it. God bless this awesome team, uh, part of this uh, great network, and God bless you wherever you are. Stay tuned. Stay strong. Stay connected. Thank you, Malka. And Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat shalom.